Lost Talk Radio. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Mitchell Family Talk Show. Today, we have a special guest on the panel, and it's the man that refuses to die. Ladies and gentlemen, when I say former ECW, we're talking about back in the days when it was not rolling on social media. So I want to welcome everybody here. Refused the man that refused to die. Thank you for being here. Oh, it's my pleasure, brother. It's good to see you, man. Good to see you, Chip. And everybody's tuned in to the Mitchell Family Reality Show TV radio show on Blog Talk Radio. We, like I said, we have the man that the man that refuses to die. And if you want to, please feel free to call in on the radio show on Blog Talk Radio on on our guest line at. Six five seven three eight three zero six three one. Again, six five seven three eight three zero six three one. All right, let me get back where I need to be at. Ladies and gentlemen, please hold your questions. Good morning, all. Uh, uh, Mods, if you don't care, care to take over the uh, the chat, I really appreciate it. Um, I'm going to ask the man refuses to die questions, and then we're going to go from there. And please have your questions ready to ask him. Write them down, have them ready, get them typed up when when I say the chat's open. Uh, the chat is open right now for for the mods and stuff to welcome everybody in. But when I say the chat is open to ask questions, please go ahead. And when I tell you that, have you have your questions ready. So, the man who refuses to die, uh, before you became a YouTuber, let's talk about a little bit about your life. What did you do before you did it, before you become a YouTuber? Well, I was born in Brooklyn, New York in 1970. I've been a wrestling fan since I was like eight. I met Hogan and Macho Man. My uncle used to work at Madison Square Garden. So, I met them when I was, used to be their paymaster. So he goes, you know, talk about the pay window, baby. He used to want to pay him. Well, I started um, hanging around the wrestling business at 12 and 13. I was setting up rings when I was 14 and 15. But due to circumstances in my home life, I left home when I was I was 16 and I joined the service. And I, I spent uh, from 86 to 90 in the Navy, 91. That's why I got out. Um I started wrestling little, little podunk nothings, one horse towners. And, uh, 91, 92 had my, we had our, our daughter, my oldest. And I, I worked a regular job, sometimes two or three. Um, I did everything from lay asphalt to work at us bank. You know, to, when your back can't do it no more, your brain's got to do it. Um, I did a lot of little wrestling shows, real, real small. I, I was trained by Mike Sharp and Johnny Rods, you know, in the early 90s. I should say in the early, in late 80s, I was learning.
into it. They were teaching me stuff. And in the early 90s, they, that's when I started taking off. But when I started working at ECW, it was always dark matches. Back then, they had, in the early time, you had tape traders. You know, and you were lucky if you got two minutes on a tape. Because the actual show for ECW, before it changed into extreme, was 47 minutes long. And out of that 47 minutes, 22 minutes because were kind of promos. You only had like 20 minutes, 25 minutes of wrestling actually going on. In the original ECW with all the gimmicks that they had, like, you know, Sam, Sandman was a surfer boy, was a surfer dude. Um, I started wrestling more on the house shows in, uh, in Philly in uh, 93, 94, when I started becoming more hardcore. But my, my original career was cut short because I broke my back in 93. I got knocked off a load and dock, fell 12 feet, and had to have five back surgeries. And from 93 to about 96, all I did was show up at shows. I didn't wrestle. It's kind of like when uh, one of the pitbulls broke his neck. Mm-hmm. He would just show up in the halo, but I would show up in a chair. And mine was legit. This is like partially legit. You know, his is part of the gimmick of the storyline. Because like last six months he was wearing a halo, it was only a storyline. But um, once I started being able to walk again, and, and still could go back to training and working out, so I used to be a gym rat. Um, I would take my, my favorite my favorite match is a table match. So that might go into the tables. But people threw them either. Because I was a little violent. So and so back in the day at a hot tempo. But we could fight all night long and beat the hell out of each other and then go have a beer later. Mm-hmm. But yeah, most of my most of my career was regular jobs while trying to make it in the wrestling business, working in these, traveling 200 days a year to big towns in between working a regular gig and trying to raise a family. So, I mean, it was something spectacular. I wish I could say I was like a Kevin Nash and worked at strip bars and was a bouncer. No, I'm five foot, five foot eight and a half and 170 pounds. Intimidated anybody as a bouncer. So you was in the service. Uh, thank you for your service, by the way. How long was you in the service for? Almost five years. Okay. Um, so I know you went through a lot there. I know you've seen a lot. Like I said, we won't, and I, a lot of people have flashbacks. You ever have flashbacks? No. Everything I did in the service, I'm totally cool. Okay. But I think that has to do with my brain injury. So. I don't think of things the same way as other people do. I don't have the same emotional baggage strapped to my head like a lot of people do. Because I, I lost very my frontal lobe. I'm not this pretty by God's good grace. <laughs> right. Uh, tell us your favorite, your best match you did in ECW. Uh, the best match I did was with Dirty White Boy. Uh, Trace, that's, that's, for those who know, it's Tracy Smothers. The, the best match we did was a kendo stick on a pole. And he beat the snot out of me. I, I had to get like like 60 stitches and like 10 staples in my head. So I was like, he laid it in, that boy laid it in. But he actually let me do my finishing move. Because my, my name when I was working in East Debbie was Ezekiel the Fallen Angel. And Ezekiel was a prophet in the Old Testament. He was tempted by the, the, the devil. And I decided to put Ezekiel and the Fallen Angel together. Before Christopher Daniels started doing his Fallen Angel gimmick for TNA and uh, NWA. Mm-hmm. And my, my finishing move was 
we would climb up to the top of the rope, top of the ropes, and we got the, I'd have a table set up, and I would do the soul plunge, which was a sit-out powerbomb to the table. Well, when I worked with Tracy, he would let me do it outside the ring. So we would jump from the top, the top rope through two tables, wrapped in barbed wire, and hit the concrete. That was my favorite. That was my favorite match. <clears throat> and he won because he had, you know, I'm just a jobber, but he let me do the finisher. And then he got up, beat the monkey hell out of me. I, I don't remember much of that night because I had a concussion and black eye, and I, I looked even prettier than I do now. <laughs> <laughs> So how long would you say you was in the business for? Off and on, 20 years. In between health issues and the back issues, it was on and off 20 years. I mean, I still would go to shows before I moved out here to Cali you know, and just do promo you know, shoot work, talk crap, you know, supporting the local baby face. Or if I wanted to play the heel, I'd support the local heel. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a wrestling company in Tennessee called uh, EWP. Hercules Wrestling Promotion, and they used to do a lot of uh, East Tennessee and North Alabama shows. And I go there every couple of weeks to hang out. Huh? And fake IRS calls. Ladies and gentlemen, I did put a number in on the chat. Please call that number. To ask him questions, we will take your calls anytime. Uh, feel free to call the number I did post there on mo- all the mods. Uh, the number here again. Here's the number. Please call this number to ask him questions. All mods, please share that in the chat. So you can ask questions to the man who refuses to die personally. On the radio state, on our radio station, on the Mitchell Family Reality Show TV, uh, call in and ask him questions. We would love to have you call in and talk to him personally on a radio show. All right. So, um, how far have you traveled? I don't know if I asked that. I've gone anywhere from uh, Austin down to Tampa. Okay. And as west as uh, Nolens, and up. I've never made it past Texas. That's about as west as I've made it up until I moved to Cali. After, um, oh yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, you're fine, brother. I was just saying, um, because I was trying to figure a way of finishing the sentence. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But now, guys, ask your next question. Um, so a- after you started traveling and stuff, what was the another next best match you had? We were working in Aniston, Alabama with uh, Uncle Cletus. Yes, and it sounds as as fun as it sounds. Um, on the card, we had uh, Red Armstrong, Marty Gennetti, Bullet Bob Armstrong, Doink the Clown was there. Uh, one of the one of the incarnations. It wasn't Matt. Unfortunately, I couldn't book him. Um, but that was my best match. I wasn't even working the match. I was I did ring setup. I played security. I, I walked Bob out to the ring. It was a, a spanking match because Brad was being a brat, and Daddy had to take the take Brad out to the woodshed. Well, the match, but bullet one as usual, and he was in the process of spanking Brad for being a brat. And Marty Gennetti, Brad, what Paul used to do is he would get out of a folding chair, sit in the chair, take Brad over his knee, spank him in the old days. Well, Marty decided to mollywop 
bullet, take bullet out and crush the entire chair, crush Brad in the front of us. And when he did, all of us jumped the ring to beat up Matt, but to beat up Marty because now Marty's paying heel. He's not supposed to beat up on a 70-year-old man. So we all came out to defend bullet. And it was one of the good because some dude tagged me for real. And when he did, I lit, up, I lit him up. And that was my favorite part of the match. Imagine yourself, you knew what's going to happen. It was fun. Bullet did a lot of high spots, a lot of strutting. And I've always liked Bullet Bob. Him and I still talk to this day, every now and again. But that was my next favorite match. It wasn't even one I was in. The way the crowd fed into it, it was a, a, a 2000 T house. That's and where I, I got that from. <laughs> what? I was in a hardcore match one time. I had my wife with me. She was pregnant. She didn't believe I was a wrestler, so I took her to a show. And I had this hardcore match. This guy's shoe came off. I put him on my knee and whipped him with the shoe. <laughs> well, when Bullet comes out of retirement, he's, he's come out of retirement. He'll never actually retire. When he comes out of retirement, he likes to do a spanking match just because he's the old grandfather, the great-grandfather, and he wants to beat up on these young whippersnappers. So it always makes me giggle. Right. It always makes me giggle. Um, so... Now you're a YouTuber. What made you, what inspired you, or who inspired you, got you into the YouTube business? Okay. I've always wanted to do YouTube. I'm good on the stick. I like to cut promos. I, I'm a very opinionated person, so when I see something I don't like, I feel like I need to speak on it. But before I moved to Cali, I didn't have the right setup. It was always too noisy. You couldn't really, you know, you, as you can hear, it's kind of quiet here. It's always, it was always too noisy when I was living in Tennessee. There's too many people, too many dogs barking, too much traffic. So I finally got out here and I got my new I got my new PC set up and all my new software. I'm like, I can finally do it. But I've been a YouTube follower of a few people for a lot of years. Two guys that actually uh, 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 made me believe I could do it or wanted me to do it was a, a guy named Barry, who's a big YouTuber on here. He's from Australia, and another guy named Undoomed. Those two guys were my inspiration for doing it, because they're kind of sarcastic, and they do well, they do social commentary, but the way they do it is they will play somebody else's video or somebody else's interview, and they'll make comments in between some of the segments. But the person i got to say that really pushed me and said, you know, hey, babe, you can do this, was my wife. And without her, I wouldn't be doing it. That's just fact. Mm-hmm. Or who can inspire you, but when you have somebody who actually believes that you can do these things, they push you to do it and say, hey, you know, you should do this. You have good ideas. You have good thoughts. That's my missus. Hands down. She's the person that, if without her, I wouldn't be doing this now. So, what is the best video you ever made on YouTube? Well, I've only made about 15 so far. I think short of the collaborations I've had with you on live stream at Iron Dog, I think my very best video so far to date was my first one. Awesome. Because now I'm learning a lot of new tricks that I didn't know then. So it's a little bit more raw, a little bit more real. You know, as you can see, I don't do a whole lot of editing. <laughs> what could you say to the new blood, the new guys are just now starting into the business or still in training that – or may have their first match. All right. Well, the first thing I say is <clears throat> when you first walk into the locker room, you shake everybody's hands. Once you're done with that, you don't initiate conversation. You go sit in the corner, you shut up, and you listen. You open your ears, you open your eyes, you close your mouth. Because you're not going to learn anything from people that are like you. 
They're new to the business. They're new to blood. You've got to absorb the knowledge from them. The guys like me who've been traveling the road to hitting the potholes. You've got to listen to the things they say. That's where you're going to learn your best stuff. And they're starting to become a, a, a slim commodity as we're all getting older and dying. So take advantage of them while you can and never disrespect or, or uh, dismiss what a veteran's got to say to you. Because even if you think you know it already, still listen. Because there's going to be something in there that you don't know that you want to hear. And later down the road, when you're traveling to the next town, it's going to click. You keep your eyes and ears open and your mouth shut. That's the biggest thing. And don't believe your own hype. So if you don't mind me asking, and I don't want to, I don't like stepping on toes, but if you feel comfortable about it, let's talk about your past. Everybody's probably thinking, is this a gimmick? Is this, is this a gimmick that you're wearing on YouTube? Or is this something from an injury or what? I got sick in the 90s. So I got developed brain cancer. And they said I was taking too many tear shots. I supposedly had a tumor in my face or my head since I was a kid. The type of cancer that I had is the type that usually kills children. And neurological blastoma, it kills kids before they're like 16, 17. Because it starts to grow once you get puberty. Mine did not. But from being overseas and being in uh, uh, Kuwait and Afghanistan and then coming back here and then taking all the chair shots that I took and all the concussions that I had, they think that kick-started the tumor. And the tumor grew up behind my facial plate, behind the eye, and up into my brain. The eye covers because the eye doesn't work because the tumor took out the optic nerve. But it was also because my face was bleeding for 18 months and it was very photosensitive before I lost complete sight in it. So it was to block out the sun and also to keep people around to see the, the, the hamburger meat that was my orbital bone for you know, almost two years. And now it's just because it, it keeps dirt out. You know, I still get headaches. Uh, the scarring is pretty significant. I can see it. So it bothers me, so I just keep the patch on because now people tend to stare at you less when they're wearing a patch. They know something's wrong than if you're just walking around with an eye closed or three-quarters closed. Then they tend to stare and point and, you know, snicker if you're a jerk and wonder if you're not. So, but yeah, I, I was given six months to live when they first diagnosed me. That was like 23 years ago. I'm still here. I beat the odds on that. So... Say if we have people that are just wanting to you know, start doing some YouTubing, want to become YouTubers. I know there's tough times here on YouTube right now. We both know. Yep. What can you say to encourage them? All right. I just started my channel a couple months ago. Literally, it's like seven weeks ago. And I've already got over 600 subs. I'm pushing the 10,000 10, viewers uh, marker that YouTube wants you to have now before they won't review your channel. Just keep putting out what you like. As long as you like it and you don't, you know, you, you don't allow the trolls to, to eat you, you eat the trolls, you just keep going. You just keep putting out videos, you'll get better. Everybody's first 10, 20, 30 videos suck because we don't know what the hell we're doing. We're just winging it. Some of, excuse me, some of us know more than others, you know, with the editing and the software stuff. I'm a new. I'm a babe in the woods. I just put out what I put out in one take. I like it. My wife likes it. As long as you have one person that likes what you're doing, keep doing it and just improve. But make sure you do content every day. Find a topic that you're passionate about and stick with that topic. Don't just jump from, like, today it's social justice warriors and tomorrow it's build a bear. 
You don't want to do that because you confuse your audience. And these audiences are really niche audiences. They're going to like, also if you do a social commentary, but they may not like what you do on Build Bear. So you get a lot of hate from that. Don't let the hate get to you. It's just like anything else. People want to take you down. They want to drag you down because they're not happy with what they're doing. Hating on you, look at what they've done. They got no videos up. They've got no real, pic- no real picture up. There's no profiles to speak of. Ignore them. Blow them off and move on. Because you'll find a lot of people that do like what you say. Okay, so we're going to take some questions. That there's a number I did posted in the chat, ladies and gentlemen. It's getting ready to close down in one minute. You can get a call in in one minute to ask them a quick question. We'll see to 60 seconds is going to end, ladies and gentlemen. But go ahead and type your questions in the chat. If you do not want to call in, there's no, you know, I was just trying to give you all opportunity. <clears throat> yeah, I was trying to give you all opportunity to call in and actually talk to him live here on the Mitchell Family Reality Show TV radio station. We would love to hear from you. We would love to have you ask questions that way. But if you all have any questions, please go ahead and type it in the chat. Um, we would love to, you know, hear from you. We're getting ready to go in podcasts, so you can find this here on um, on iTunes. If you've got an iTunes account, if you don't got an iTunes account, please sign up for iTunes.com, and you can find this in iTunes underneath the Mitchell Family Radio Show TV. So we're getting ready to go on pre-recording on the Mitchell Family Radio Show TV radio station. Um, and also, ladies and gentlemen, while we're talking, um, make sure you all check out the P.O. box and make sure you all check out the merchandise in the description for sure. All right, so what is the name of his channel? The Man Who Refuses to Die. Thank you, Julie. The Man Who who Wouldn't Die. <laughs> the Man Who Refused to Die. <laughs> well, he wouldn't die, so he's still here. Yeah. <laughs> Anybody got any questions you want to ask him? Please feel free to ask them now. We would love to hear from you. We want to, any questions about his wrestling career? Thank you, Jamie467. He seems like a very cool guy. He is a very awesome guy on camera, even off camera, because I've talked to him. We talked almost three hours last night, basically. Yeah, we did on the phone, BS. That's right, and that's what I say. He's he's cool on camera, and he's cool off camera. So feel free to ask him about his wrestling career. <laughs> feel free to ask him about his um, about him being the service, or thanking him for being the service. That's one thing you all should be doing. He's thanking all military service men and women that was in the service or is still in the service, thanking them for their service for sure. Um, but yeah, feel free to ask him any question you want to. I love. I'm just going to add an addendum to that. Say a prayer for those who get it all. There you go. Come home. I love he never get he he have, never he. I love he never ever give up. My my theory on giving up is if I give up, then I teach my kids the wrong thing to do. When things get hard, you have to dig in. You have to try everything. When you got a family, you got kids, and you're setting an example of being a role model, you can't teach them to take the easy way out every time. You know, life ain't easy. So you got to teach them to fight and dig and scratch and do whatever you can 
to make sure you and yours are taken care of. Where did you wrestle? I wrestled all over. I wrestled over from Boston, Massachusetts, down to Tampa, Florida. I wrestled for Alpha, for the Wild Samoans back in the day, for WXW. I wrestled for CZW. I wrestled for Pensacola Wrestling Alliance. I wrestled for Uncle Cletus. I wrestled for Extreme Wrestling 2000. I wrestled a whole bunch of places you guys have probably never heard of. I wasn't big enough to make it. I even tried out at the power plant and did about a week and a half and said, I can't do this and try and raise a family because they don't pay you to do it. They give you like 50 bucks a week, 100 bucks a week when you were doing the power plant. But you had to pay to get the try down. Thank you, Joey. Having Joey? a wife and a kid, new go ahead. kid. Go ahead, bud. Not good. You go ahead. You know, having a wife and a new kid is no good. Now we're trying to get in the business. You got to kind of have some money, kind of have some stuff lined up already. A lot of us, when we got in, we were too, we were young and dumb. We're like, oh, we could do this and work. They realize you got to try and juggle a family on top of on the road, working a regular gig, and then switching off from your on the road persona to your normal persona. That's that's a hard thing to do. Joey says, thank you for your service. Oh, you're very welcome, ma'am. It's my pleasure. It's my honor. Uh, let's see. Dane, big names. I've wrestled with a lot of different people. I loved going to the ECW locker room because you never knew who was messed up on what. And I didn't do those things. My favorite, my favorite thing to do was after the show, we got drink a little. But it was always fun. It was always interesting to walk in the door and see who was on what and who was talking to the wall. I remember days when Sandman couldn't barely put string together two sentences. But the minute that, that his music hit, it was like a switch flipped in his head. He's like, on point. Uh, now he's gotten older, so he's gotten a lot sloppier. But he's never been a good worker. He's always been a good hand. And those guys I learned a lot from. I learned a lot about how to sell being injured better than I did before. Sammy would always get injured. They'd always sell it really good. Uh, you're welcome, James. It's my pleasure, brother. I said it was my honor. I believe everybody should serve if they're capable. You know, without us serving you, nobody's protected. My brother, Chuck Taylor, stated, I wrestled my socks this morning getting them on my feet. I do that now. Ever since I ever since I lost the use of a leg, I wear the spray tap and wrestle my socks on my feet. <laughs> I feel you, brother. Uh, let's see. Dane, them ECW guys are crazy. They were crazy, but they weren't near as crazy as a lot of some of the other places. Like if you wrestle in Alabama, them old boys are just strange. You know, I'd see a guy do, do three or four lines. And then they're like the Energizer Rabbit. You know, when you see that stupid commercial with the batteries, and they put the new battery in, it's like, boom. And they just they just do stupid stuff. You know, smack their own head with a, with a two-by-four so they come out with blood, come out with color. That's what Goldberg got his color. He would bang his head into a locker room, and then throw a locker into his locker door every night. So before we gave himself brain damage. Uh. Lenny says, I wish I lived next door to him and his family. Honestly, it's a loss of Bartle, V-I-R-T-U-E. Virtue. Honestly, it's a lost virtue. I agree with you. 
people are too afraid of what they're going to see or what people are going to see about them. They always have to try and hide stuff. I'm one-eyed, one-legged. I've had five back surgeries, three heart attacks. I've survived cancer four times. I've got COPD and type 2 diabetes. I ain't got nothing to hide. Well, you, you can't kill me. You know, Mother Nature's tried. She's been failing at it miserably. But being honest is the only thing you have. Your name is the only thing you have in this world. If you don't have your name, you got nothing. James 467 says, Tommy Dreamer was my favorite. Tommy's a really good guy, both in and out of the ring. When they were having all their financial troubles, this I was sick when they were having a lot of their financial troubles. And Paulie was writing checks that balanced the checks that you couldn't cash this week. You had to wait until next week to get more of the money. Tommy would give guys money out of his pocket. Because he invested a lot of money into ECW. Now, a lot of people don't know this, but he was a, he was a partial owner of ECW back in the day, which is why he fought so hard to try and make it work. But he would pay guys. He hadn't seen a check in six months, but he would pay guys out of his, out of his mortgage money. So they could get back and forth and have something to eat when Paulie was really hitting the, hitting the skids. BR Fam TV says, I'd be watching him. I actually truly got an awesome vibe, very cool dude. I'm fired 100% fist bump and strong muscles, basically. Emotion. Thank you, BR Fam. I appreciate it. I'm, I'm glad you guys like my, some of my content. I know I'm a bit uh, rough around the ears occasionally, but. I just, I just call it like I see it. Hey, Amber and John, welcome. Anybody else got any questions for the man who refuses to die? Feel free to ask them. We got a few more minutes. Before, because we got to go into town and do some things. So, anybody else got any questions? Huh? I my last match. Go ahead. Um, I was working in uh, Mobile, Alabama. It was in Alabama. I'm not sure where. I was working with a guy called Slick Nick. Me and him didn't like each other in real life. Slick Nick. We, yeah. We, we had a stupid ring name. And uh, after this match, he never wrestled anymore. But we used to fight for real. You know, he, would, he would take cheap shots. He would potato me. And I'd get a receipt. And he'd cry to the promoters about me, you know, giving him a receipt for what he did to me 20 minutes ago. And we were doing a show where it was a hardcore match. And we had... 40-foot scaffold, and me and him climbed up to the scaffold, beating each other up. It was kind of like a Vic Grimes, uh, New Jack thing. And we were trying to emulate that particular scenario. Our scenario went a little bit better, but not much. Um, kicked him, elbowed him in the face, picked him up. I wanted to do the sit-out paragraph through four tables wrapped in barbed wire, and the bottom table was set on fire. We hit the tables just fine. He moved. He slid forward. Well, it's when you're wrestling, you know, the guy slides forward, he's in, your, he's in your lap. If you don't slide forward with him, you'll break his neck when you land. Because what happens is he'll pop back like this. So I had to slide forward. When I slid forward, it took us off the angle of the tables, went through all the tables, went through the barbed wire, I slingshot it. Went first into his gut, over top of him, and slung shot back and busted my head wide open and gave myself a massive concussion. I was incognito for three days. Mm. And they said, I still... I still won the match. It became a shoot fight because I don't remember beating him up, but we started trading serious licks according to them, and I was just pouring blood out of my skull, and he kept trying to take my skull out. So they said I broke his nose, I hit him with an elbow to the forehead and laced his forehead open, and that was the end of it. Knocked him out. Laid on top of him, bleeding on him, pinned him. I don't remember doing any of that, 
I don't remember the next three days after that, so that's when I decided, you know, my brain's already taken enough damage. I might want to stop doing these sorts of things. And that was in the early 2000s. Early 2000s. And like I said, I still do some spot promo stuff, but I don't get in the ring anymore. My body's too broke, and I don't like taking the hits. What I like like watching is Zach. You have you met Zach? Zach. He's a one-legged man. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I've never met him, but I've seen his stuff. Yeah, I met him in person. At first, when I saw it, you know, I, I mean, I was still in the business. I, I saw him take his leg off. You know, I was wanting to get in there and help yeah. the dude. I was wanting to get in there and help the dude, but he says, "Calm down, I got this." Dude, kick butt. Yeah, and he's another cancer survivor. So, you know, you can do anything. You can't let your your current health issues limit you. <laughs> he, oh was God, he, for, he, he was at ECW for a while. He was at TNA and WWE for a little while, too. Yeah, but they used him as a, a, as a card of black, but they used to use Andre, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. But he made his money. He got out. Now he does what he wants. John, and, and that's a good thing. Right. Amber and John had a question. He goes, I have a question for the man who refuses to die. Does he have nine lives? LOL. He like, he's like a cat. <laughs> yeah, I think most of my lives are about used up. I think I've got, I I got two spare besides the one that I'm living now. I, I don't really want to go back to having to use extra lives. I was like playing a video game. You keep putting quarters in for the extra lives. I think I put in like 25 quarters. <laughs> Uh, BR Fam TV says this guy is one tough guy overcoming a lot of health issues and it's so strong hit it. He's got a new sub is me. I appreciate it, BR Fam. I appreciate it completely. Like I said, I'm I'm humble and I'm grateful that you guys like what I do. You know, if you don't like it, you can always tell me why you don't like it. I'm always open to a conversation. But you know, I'm just glad that things are working out. Things are going well. James four six seven. Yeah, James four six seven. I grew up with the with Raw is War Wrestling. Yeah, that's when it started to go bad. Raw is War, war Wrestling. That's when they started changing things from you can't call it wrestling no more. You can't call the belt a belt. It's got to be a championship. <laughs> it's got to be sports entertainment. And now everything is scripted. Back in the old days, it was a whole lot, a whole lot easier to do what we do, we didn't have anything, anybody, um, we didn't have anybody telling you what you had to say. When you play it off the cuff, that was always the best, those are the best promos. Uh, a case in point, I know everybody's seen the, uh, the CM Punk and Kevin Nash mm-hmm. exchange a few years ago. Nash even said it on a podcast and he's like, you know, now it's like, well, I can't say anything. I guess you know, what they tell me to say, they'll fire me. Back in the old days, it wasn't like that. You could say whatever you wanted. You could talk about anything you wanted. You could you can insult the dude's wife, you can insult the dude's kids. You can insult his whole genetic family and call him an inbred piece of trash. And nobody would have a, a, a feeling about it other than, oh, wow, I can't believe you just said that. Now it's just everything is, yeah, exactly, improvising. Wow. And now it's just everything is cookie cutter. I'm not a real big fan of the product. Everything is always about high spots now. You have to do better than what you did. Yesterday, and that's leading these guys to take a lot of injuries, take a lot of concussions, and killing a lot of guys early. 
because of the stuff that they've done. I mean, look at me. My body is broke. I ain't dead, but I couldn't get back in the ring now if I wanted to. And believe me, I want to. <laughs> we were just talking about Lucha Underground because they film it about an hour from here. I was like, yeah, if I, go to, I want to go to Lucha Underground, I want to get in the ring. <laughs> She's like, no. My wife's like, no. You can't, you can't go without me. <laughs> I, I've been watching those for a while, too. Come your happy butt out to Cali. We'll, we'll, go to, we'll go to Lucha Underground. Do you think Lucha Underground is? Yeah, I, I've seen them on TV. Well, they tape all their shows in a three-month span, like they do a TV show. Oh, wow. So all those crowds are there for 12 hours a day. I played their games, early in too. The and then at 10 o'clock at night. Yeah, it was at 12 o'clock at night. I played their games, too. Yeah. 